You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome, or welcome back, to another episode of Black Hair of the Big Leagues. I'm your host, Salisha Thomas, and I'm beaming from ear to ear because I'm so excited. Like, my guest today, she is, she is multifaceted. She's got a lot of different colors of her personality, and I've been getting to know her recently over the last few months, and she is truly lovely and also very deep but before we get in let me say that this year i've taken on a new project uh i'm co-producing with um a peer and a colleague of mine josie bray to bring a new project to the world called truth a biofictional choreo poem and it's about sojourner truth and other female abolitionists and i'm so excited because i'm sitting down with our writer today Okay, okay, a little bit about her. She's a thought leader, a public intellectual, a director, and a writer. Um, she's a trained and experienced practitioner of the techniques developed to uh, of techniques to, to develop and affect uh, radical social change and help bring about social justice, peace, and empowerment of people whose voices have too often been silenced. Um, her life's work has been focused on social activism and the uses of theater for radical social transformation. She has worked extensively over the years with theater of the oppressed and is one to get into the trenches when she does her research. One way she's done this is like when she works with incarcerated women. She um, and for this particular project, part of her research has been going to the site historical sites of where Sojourner was or Harriet Tubman was or other abolitionists. She goes to the sites and does her research. I am so excited to talk to her today. You guys, please put your hands together and help me welcome Gail Burton. Oh, Alicia, thank you. <laughs> How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm well. Um, I'm still, you know, I really thank you so much for having me on and thank you for, you know, I was like, I hope she's going to say that she is like a co-producer on this project. Like, you know, I was like, I hope you can say this because I was going to say it too. And I'm really, really grateful for that and thankful. And, you know, we're like, we're, ooh, and we're like, ooh, our mighty team is going forward. So very excited about it that. It is so exciting. And I have a million questions and I'm already like ready to go off script. But um, I am so excited about what we're about to do. And it's not completely written yet. Is that Oh, right? no. Yeah, no, no. This is a new play project. So it's um, it's at its very kind of beginning stages, which is why you can say, oh, she's doing her research because I am doing a lot of research. Yeah. Um, so and, you know, a new play process is it has like the, it has like a developmental stage where you do research, writing, stage reading. Then you get to a workshop production. Then maybe you can, you know, you the producers are trying to get resources behind it. Maybe someone will take it to regional theater and then hopefully Broadway and off-Broadway. So it's a it's a pretty long trajectory. And we are in at, you know, ground zero, ground zero. And, and for me, because I'm a writer, right, because I'm the playwright, this is 
a really exciting phase for me. You know, it's the nerve wracking phase for me. Right. I have to produce. Right. But at the same time, um, it's like really kind of in the womb, kind of, you know, coming together. And it's really wonderful. It's really amazing. And then, you know, once it gets written and and uh, and workshop like to the workshop production, it's almost like then you're just kind of pass like your brain pass it off. But it's really interesting, Salisha, because after you do that writing, and the and the creative team, the rest of the creative team takes it on. It's like watching people like bring something into manifestation. Like you hear the characters, and it's like. Oh my God, I forgot she said that. You know, <laughs> and I'm like nerdy, so I want to go and like see, and I'm like, oh my God, what they, what are they doing now? And you know, you don't want to be too pesky of a playwright. You want people to be have their own creative process, but it's like, nah, she shouldn't be wearing that. <laughs> you know, yeah, things like that. But that's a ways down the line. And um, you know, theater is really um not easy or it's a little expensive to produce you know yes I so, do know yeah I know you know so because of that um it can take a long time and you also want to be um um you know kind of moving steadily towards towards the thing um yeah I'm really I'm so excited and I how feel is how is it going so far like how was your process and also like I am asking from a place of one day, like being an aspiring writer or playwright mm -hmm. myself. And so mm -hmm. I'm asking like, how is your process going so far? Do you ever get stuck? What do you do when you're like, oh, where do I go next? Like what, how has your process been? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because um, I haven't had uh, very much, I haven't had the sense you know, we're like, you know, we got to be a little superstitious. Like, don't, don't say that because then you'll get stuck. Right. But, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, but no, I'm kidding. But like, so I, um, I, in this, pro in this project, I have not really been stuck. Um, the, the characters and the, the, the work is coming kind of, it's coming at its own pace. And what my, what my, um, what I'm working on now, which is like to help me to be able to do my work consistently, is to find the time, the the space and the schedule, right? And to be consistent. Mm -hmm. And even if nothing comes like creatively, there's so many pieces of the work that I always have something to do. And I like that as a writer because then I don't get bored, right? And I don't kind of sit and go, okay, I can't do anything because none of the characters are speaking to me today. So then like there are other things to do, go back and edit or move forward and think about, um, you know, give yourself different exercises or prompts. And I also, it's very important for me not to be isolated. Yeah. So I just recently found a writer's community here in Rhode Island where I live and um it's a cold, it has a cold work space. And it also is just a, you, they have different like kind of social groups um, that people, like if you're all like a BIPOC writer's circle, uh, queer okay. writer's circle, like all, like if you write sci-fi writer's circle, those kinds of things. And they also have a podcast garage. So um, they have, there's, there's, but it's like, it, it's like a little community that you can kind of go into and talk about like, oh God, I, I'm, I was writing this morning and this character said this, what's going, you know? So I'm looking for like opportunities for those types of uh, communities. And, I, and I'm establishing that in Rhode Island because I'm not, I've not been based in Rhode Island. So it's kind of great because it's like new. Yeah. You know, I'm getting to meet new artists, new people, new that circles. Interesting because I would think like as a writer, you would want to be isolated, but it's the opposite. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to be too social, but you want to have a community of peers that 
understand. You know, <laughs> should I say Mr. Love's company? <laughs> no, but it's like you want a group of people who can feel like be like, girl, I feel you. Yes. Yes. You know, when I'm you know, and who can say, like, when I'm like that, I do A, B, C, D. Or do you want to do there's something, what's it called? I think it started happening during COVID. I haven't done it yet. But what? I just finished a writer's residency, a day residency at a place called Linden Place. And they had Congratulations, that's awesome. Yeah, oh yeah, I love oh it was great. So that I but I they had something, I don't I remember what it's called. It's something like a cool, it's like cool, it's like a co-writing hour or co-writing session. And people just come and they write together, like the way you would go to a cafe. Yes. Because you don't you want a little bit of like white noise in the back. You want like people to be around. You want to look up and be able to say, see, yes. like, oh, she got a beautiful pair of shoes on. Right. You want to write, you know what I'm saying? Like you want to be up oh, and you know, this is hair. So you want to be like, oh, look at, oh, I might have to try that girl. <laughs> you know so you want to be able to, or just chit chat a little bit and then go back to your work. Yes. Because you're among writers, they have that same desire to kind of like be social but also be in their work. So after a while, they also are going to be kind of like, okay, girl, I got to go back to work. Right. That's right? how I when I go to the library. Mm -hmm. I'm talking, but it's being around others and still getting, you know, you're going to get your work done because it's the library. Yeah. And it's the energy of it. Yes. Have you noticed that at libraries now, libraries have become much more like, kind of like the cafe. But, yes. it's, but it's like the quiet cafe. Yes. And they and they're like, they're even kind of structuring that now. Like people aren't like, Shh. it's more like this room is for people who are going to write and be online and write. And they might talk a little bit or you have like a little study room. Yes. So, so my, my co-writing space for writers is um, very much like that. Right, that type of a physical what they what for writers is called a third space, right? So you know you can have your office, that's one space. You can have your your home, that's another space. But the third space is the space where you're gonna go and it's your it's a creative. Space. I love that, Gail. Yeah. So that my the co-writing space that I went to, they say they say we want to be your third space. So that when you're at home and you're writing and you're like, I'm home mm -hmm. here, it's quiet. I should be able to get all this stuff done. And you're like, no, I need to do the laundry. Like I really right now, like it's too dirty right here. I like, I need to eat something. Like I know uh -huh. that it's going to go bad. And I'm like, you know what? You lying. You need to get out the house and go somewhere. I love this because you're really talking about something that is universal. You're speaking specifically about writing, but what I'm hearing is like sometimes we get in our own way and we look for distractions and we have to find that place, be it mental or physical in reality, wherever that is, we need to find a place where we can thrive maybe it's being in your home, but turning your phone off. Maybe oh, well, you got to do that, right? But yes. you, the isolation will get you because you'll be like, once you turn everything off, then everything is running inside. And you're uh -huh. like, I need to do so, I mean, yes. it is the thing. It is. It's, but you know what? I think it is, Alicia. I think it's create. It's the. It's your. It's this. It's doing those things that allows for your to that it it like is the context for a creative. It's a creative space. Yes. You make the context and the container for creativity. And creativity might be like, um, I don't, I don't meditate enough. I don't journal enough. That might be what right, what you need to, to create. You know, um, I'm not spending enough time with myself. Like I need to like, you know, I need to get on YouTube and get that those cute little watch later hair styles that yes, I how I do my right? baby hairs and I need to yeah get my right lay lay down my <laughs> head you know what I'm saying and girl and you know I had I had to kind of have my 
So listen, I to lay my thing a little bit down. He's cute. You know, huh? this is like a um, this is like a, you have your natural hair, and then it's like a, a thread with a needle with like yarn. Yeah, and then you just you because I can't switch strands twist for nothing. So then you just go, whoop, whoop, whoop. you use the, the thread and it makes a two strand twist. With the thread? With yarn, mama. Okay, wait, hold up. So you no. that you don't do two strand twist, but you, you're you, you with do the thread. No. And there's a different technique for cornrow. With the yarn. You're comfortable using the yarn. Like you know how to do it. Well, I just, I, this is my first time. I just learned from this, I'll send you, girl, let me, don't, don't make me send you the link. I will send you the link. Send me the link. Oh, and yours would be great because you have nice, thick ones, honey. If you want them to get them thinner, you could, right, if you make the parts smaller. This but was your first time? One, two, three, four, bump up, four parts. One, two, three, four. And they kind of go like this. It looks really good. Wait, wait, so. I, wait. I can't, I can't, cornrow, I can't. I can't, I could twist. I used to have locks. I had, I can lock. Because my hair's like, yeah, I like to lock. <laughs> I have so many questions. Hold up. Okay, so wait. I, I, I need to know about your locks. I need to know if you've always played with your hair. Have you always like been creative with different styles? Or like what? When did you have locks? Where You can start wherever. Okay, I had locks. Uh, I had locks for maybe... I don't know, seven, um, hmm, long time, maybe seven years from maybe a little longer mm, from maybe, wow, a long time, but early 2000s. And I took them off when my mom passed away in 2010. And I and my mom had Alzheimer's, so I had them a long time. I had them longer than I had them maybe about 15 years. Wow. So my and my mom was um so she she passed away and I took them off and she I had them, that's what I was gonna say. I had them throughout the time that she went like started to manifest the the symptoms and the decline of Alzheimer's. And it was a long time. She was like, right, because I said I had them 15 years. I just started them maybe when that start, the decline started to happen in that type of way. And I had them the whole time. And so there's some cultures and some people who believe, not cultures necessarily, but some people have particular spiritual practices who believe like, you know, if when that elder leaves, you can take them off. Um, it's like a, a, a kind of a honoring of them. And for me, it was also that she, and like that I had the these locks throughout this time frame. Yes. And a lot of other things had happened. Like it was a very transitional time for me, right? Wow. And so I was like, I'm taking all this energy off. Yeah, yeah. Right, all of this coming off. So, and a lot of people do that. It's not, it's, you know, it's very black. It's like, it's not necessarily one particular cultural practice or religious thing or that, that, that. It's, it, it's just like, you know, people who have locks often will say, I took them off when this happened. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, our hair is that it's very, it's spiritual in the, in that big S. Yes. African diasporic S way when it's, when it's black folks and black women, but you know, everybody got their big S, you know? So <laughs> I, I'm like, you know, so I, I did that, and at, when I took when I took them off, Alicia, yeah, I thought I was just gonna go like you know have a little TWA, little teeny weeny afro, right? Yeah. And what what did you end up with? Honey, I was with I was with some of my people, and they were like, uh, uh go all the way. Oh I went all the way to the scalp. Oh, oh, Jack Telly Savalas. Isaac Hayes, I don't know if y'all know any of these people, uh, to the skin vault. You know, I have chills. <laughs> what so, was that for you? Was did that? How did that feel for you? Well, okay. 
at first I was like, what did you just, what did you just do? Oh my God. <laughs> what did you do? Because, you know, I had the locks for 15 years. And by then the locks were at the, like the middle of my back. I, I wasn't, so I was like, okay, who exactly are you now? Who are you? Who are you now? And then it started to be that. I was it's like, you what? know what? It started to be that. It started to be that journey for me. I was like, okay, well, this is this is a this is a new beginning. Like this this is a new start. This is me at this. And it, you know, it didn't take long. My hair started growing in. I had like a little, you know, little baby Caesar. I love that. And then I had my little teeny weeny afro. And then I was like, am I gonna let it grow out? It was I'm serious. I mean, it was wild. So, and then it grew, it's gone, it's grown, I've cut, it's grown, it, I've cut. You know, you do, I am definitely, after I took, after I took my locks off, I have been an adventurer because, you know, I've, I've left it natural. So, you know, when you have natural hair, there's all kinds of, it's black women with natural hair, like our hair is doing this, it's yeah. doing that. And I go all over the place. People are like, didn't you just have short hair? And I'll have honey some braids down my oh back. Oh my gosh. So wait, when you think <laughs> you're an adventurer, do you mean in your life or with your hair? It was again. When you say you're an adventurer, do you mean like you take risks with your hair or like in your life? I would say probably both. Ooh. I would say both. I mean, I was talking about my hair, but I would say both. I mean, the thing, Alicia, I don't, I have never really, that's so interesting, it's a great question, because I don't really see me as impulsive. Like, I, I really, I take calculated risk. I'm a double Capricorn, right? <laughs> so that means oh I have the heart of a banker. But I have this lovely Pisces rising, so I get, I'm all artistic and uh, and then I got like three planets in Aquarius. You see, even that I'm talking about all this, right? Yes. So, and and I love it because it's very groovy, but I'm telling you, I can get into astrology like a scientist. I love that. Like, I'm like, mm, what is that? You know, so I get nerdy about it. So I've never thought of myself as impulsive, which I would associate with being an adventurer, but I am an adventurer because I do try different things and I need freedom. You know, I really, really, it's in, it's in me to need yeah. freedom. Um, you know, like and it's in me to expect justice. It's in me to do that. Whether I'm working with incarcerated women or the practice of like how we go about producing this play so that, you know, it doesn't start to be that we're eating each other, you know? Yes. You know what I mean? Like if our play is about the beauty and power and resilience of like our black female ancestors, uh, then how is it that we're going to start to eat each other in trying to get that thing to happen, right? Like that we need to have the freedom and to make, again, like that creative container, that yeah. creative space for us to be able to do the thing, do it really well. Yeah. Because just because you groovy don't, that's that Capricorn. Just because you groovy, Pisces, don't mean that you don't have, right? You don't have um, value. You don't have an aesthetic, like, mm, like you, you want your aesthetics to be on point. Yeah. You know, you want the thing to work. You want it to, that it, right? You need it to be organized and work. But that work shouldn't work you. Like we, we're humans. Right. 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 That's the whole thing. Like if black women were resisting being dehumanized, we can talk about it through the lens of slavery. But really, these African people were brought here and dehumanized. Anything that they did that in some way dignified them or brought them up or resisted that in enslavement was about trying to be human. 
or to show their humanity. So, I mean, I'm so I'm about that. I, I want to be, you know, you know, honey, I want to be adventuring and I don't want it to, I don't want it to be, you know, I think it's because of how in the U.S. we think about that. Like, you know, I'm an adventurer. So it's like you're by yourself and you're like striking out and, you know, it's like you, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, but I, yeah, I want to know about different things and I want to try different things and I want to, you know, learn from everybody. I have a question for you. Yeah. What inspired you to work with incarcerated women? Oh, that's, yeah. Um, so I worked with incarcerated women first uh, as part of a project called the Medea Project Theater for Incarcerated Women that is uh, directed by, in fact, created and directed by a woman named Redessa Jones. And Redessa Jones is fierce, honey, fierce. I love that name. And she is, happens to also be the sister, I wanted to say big sister, but I don't know. She's <laughs> the sister of Bill T. Jones, the very well-known famous dancer. Wow. Um, and so she has a project still in San Francisco, based in San Francisco, called the Medea Project Theater for Incarcerated Women, in which she brings artists, uh, women artists, into the San Francisco jail and the women from the art women artists and the women incarcerated women create and perform like a devised theater piece together like a choreo like a choreo poem because oh. there's music there's movement music and it's for, and actually it's biofictional because people are tell their story and then from the story that's so interesting I hadn't even thought of it from their story, a uh, 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 creative piece is made and they are all brought together. Sometimes there's a, a, a theme that is um, is like the container for it. And so ours had some mythology to it. The piece that I wrote when I was at the Medea Project was about Pandora. And it was and it was like kind of urban Pandora. Okay. Yeah. And then we performed it and it was like, so it was amazing. I'd never had an experience like that in my life. In the jails? Did you perform it in the jails? Oh, they, oh, I forgot. So now this is where it gets, it gets performed. So that the piece is created and then it's performed at the Lorraine Hansberry theater in downtown San Francisco. That's awesome. Which is like a four or 500 seat theater in the middle of downtown San Francisco. Awesome. People from all, you know, people from Brooklyn are coming. I'm from Brooklyn, from Oakland are coming. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm a New Yorker. People from Oakland, same difference, Brooklyn, Oakland. I know, it is. Oh my God. People from Oakland are coming. People from San Francisco are coming. Angela Davis showed up. Like people are like, they're all these real yeah, no, amazing. Like, um, uh, what's her? I mean, a, a lot of writers showed up, like, who are from the area and famous writers from the area. I don't think Alice Walker came, but there was like April Taylor. Um, there were, there were a number of people and then people, you know, activists, all old school. I think Angela Davis came to every, every, every time Redessa had one, I think she came. And wow. then, um, uh, and Redessa's been doing this for decades, and then so and we you perform we perform it at the um, Lorraine Hansberry Theater. But check this out: everybody in the building basically is is being is being held because the theater is lined with correctional officers. Oh, in the theater and in the back. And in the alley, you know, you know, like the the alley coming into the uh-huh. right, honey. They are lining it, and they are not, and they're there because they're like, you know, it's because it's completely out of the ordinary that the women would be allowed to come out to do this. Right, right, right. And other people have tried to produce this model in other parts of the United States, me, me included. 
And it's not, you really, it's about who the sheriff is, what the politics are of the state. It gets very much into the, the you know. So Redessa had established a relationship long time ago in the 70s with, I, yeah, because she did a piece there first and then she started doing the Medea project. She did her own one woman piece and then she it started turned into that. So she, so the, anyway, they are, they honey. So, and they're like, me mugging the audience, you know, they're armed. Oh, uh, the, the officers, they're mean mugging? Correctional officers, yeah. And they, you know, and it's like, it's so interesting because of course it's this, you know, it's like beyond Brecht, right? It's like beyond Brechtian. So like, so like, it's like, they're there, they're mean mugging and it's like, Redessa, so it's it's like, who knew that the correctional officers basically would become part of the theater of the piece? Because that really is what it is, yes. right? Because people are like, oh shit, wait a minute. We thought we were coming to see the performance. We're like, it's like, yeah, you're captive too. So, because, you know, nobody- Wait, was the audience mixed? Uh, mixed In what? Like no, uh, just the just the, the incarcerated women were only the perform were performing with us as part of our. Oh, concert. I see. Uh-huh. No, and then and then the audience is coming is a the public, but the theater is lined with correctional officers. Whoa! And around it because they can't be the sheriff can't be allowing the women to come out and do this. And somebody escape or somebody leave or something. Right. So it's Oh my goodness, Gail. And so all the audience members, you know. How have I never heard all of the this? audience? Are, I don't care how honey, you famous, you not famous, yo. You're in here with us, yo. So it's like <laughs> Wow. Was, so now this was very early, right, in my like starting to like look to to I had done spoken word done a lot of devi- done some devised theater and I written my play that's what I was supposed to be doing in a, a play that is my my heart my baby called muses so I was in I was in San Francisco because I thought that it was going to be produced there it didn't get produced there and I was looking for stuff to do right and everybody like three different people from three different places said you should do the Medea project okay okay sounds like then I did it and then that happened this happened right of like me being in this wacky like kind of what theater what and it changed me forever I I'm like I don't want to do any like straight theater is great I love it but I'm not doing it like I gotta be in here it's gotta be transforming folks it's like it's such a powerful tool uh, be, we would go the women artists would go into the jail two or three times a week to create the work with the women inside how was that work. how was that for you it was crazy um, it was a way, I'm, I'm happy I did it because it was a way for me to see what that was like without having to go through it. Right. So, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, it was crazy. Really, oh. really different. Um, I mean, let me use your word scale. Uh, it's a whole other universe. Um, you're you really when we went in we were we would go it was like what happened in the theater like your your freedom got taken away Mm. because you were going to play by those rules you were going to play by those rules the rules were there and the rules were for everyone the rules the only people who the rules are not for are the guards and the politicians but they're for everybody else who goes in family members Oh, like when you go in, you're you're at their whim. So what the rules of the institution are what they are. They they make sense to them. They don't make sense to you. So you can you can step on. It's like a landmine. You can step on something at any point. 
the, the people who are incarcerated, they've stepped on the landmine, so they know the rules, right? Okay. But us going in as artists, we didn't necessarily know. And I mean, so I got in trouble one time because I was, I, I was chewing gum. You're like, what's the problem? Well, I, I got, I had the gum when I went through security. Nobody stopped me. I, we got into the space that we were um, working in. One of the guards came in and said, I need to talk to you. Oh. And I said, what? And Redessa said, um, wait a minute, what? And he said, no, I need to talk to her. He took me outside. He said, are you chewing gum? Yes, you want some? <laughs> That's exactly what I said. I said, yes. And then I said, I said, actually, I, I said, I said, yeah. I said, he said, do you have any uh, more on you? I said, yeah, right there. Yeah, here you go. And he was like, okay, you're going to, you're going. Like, you're not supposed to have. And I was like, well, I didn't know this. And I mean, I, it, and you, you don't have gum because you can chew the gum and put it in the lock. Uh, uh, nobody, nobody had told me this at all. Because and that's not how your brain would even. Wait, my I'm chewing gum. I'm chewing gum. Gum. Why don't you tell me this when I came in and you did the one and you did the pat down and you did, I took my shoes off and all. Like, you know, really, you go through that. We went through that to go in to work with our sisters. We we did that. So, but I mean, it, it's a small thing compared to what they're dealing with on a minute by minute, day by day. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and also, and then when, when we were working together, the stories, frankly, Salisha, were so much about patriarchy, um, sexual assault, uh, all these different things, you know, um, things that are, 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 you know, that women struggle with. And a lot, and some of the stories you wouldn't have been able to tell story that was it could be it could have been my story and I'm a Harvard graduate or it could be this woman's story and she just she got incarcerated and she was you know on crack and some man tried to murder her on a roof you know what I mean like it it's like it could it the stories crisscrossed and it gave me an understanding that we are really, we have all of these false separations and dichotomies, and we really, it's just not, you know, it's, 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 it's false. Um, and so it was a small thing to do that. And then, and it was a small thing to be, and we performed, all of us performed together with the audience being um, wow. incarcerated with us. And, um, it was just it's such a small step. That, I'm wondering if I'm understanding this and I, I don't want to take too much time, but are you saying, because I've been thinking about something that sounds similar to what you're saying. And I'm wondering if, if you're saying what I've been thinking about, which is mm -hmm. there's so many things that make it feel like it's us and them and right. we're here and they're there and we, it, there's so many things that divide a lot of people. Yes. But yeah. at the end of the day, we're all souls in this time and space. Like we're all, we have a lot humanity. Like we're, we have a lot more to in common than we do separating us or. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's definitely what I'm saying. And I'm saying that, but I also really, really think because, of course, I'm a right. I'm a playwright. I like biography, and I like you know women, people's narratives and stories. And so for me, it's also really important to acknowledge that we do have uniqueness, right? We have uniqueness, and we have like you know how we're like, okay, you can have a whole podcast girl about our hair, and that's the truth. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, right? That's uh, right. That's cool. But it's like in theater, the thing that is the most specific is the most universal. Like if we can sit and like laugh and kiki and talk about our hair, anybody, any woman could come and watch this podcast and be like, 
yep, they kikiing about their hair, and I don't necessarily know that hair, but I know my hair. Right, right. You know, you know, like you know, Josie could probably do one on curly hair. Yes, yeah. Right, and all these women be like, "Yep, girl." And then when you do the this, does it that? You know, (laughs) (laughs) you know. So I mean, there's there's similarities, but we are more similar than we are different. We're we're human. We're a species, right? We are a genus of people. We're people. So. That's really important to to remember and to understand. I think because if we do that, then it it stops us from our other human potentials, which are can, can be pretty devastating, right? Elephants don't genocide each other. You know what I mean? Like, so we have to be really aware of what we're doing and learn from it, right? And learn from it. So even with like what we're talking about with truth, right? 19th century black female resistors is how I talk about it. Many of them abolitionists, but that's a very kind of specific term about who fought slavery in a very specific way. And And even the Underground Railroad was exceptionally organized. So, but even the resistance of, of, um, black civil war, uh, Black Civil War soldiers and veterans and the women who married them, like, or, or with people who married within slavery, like, yeah. what? why on earth would you be trying to get married? <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it had all these complexities of, like, you know, you you had, the couple was never two, it was always three, right? Unless both people were free. It was always at least three. Might oh, be six, what? six people involved, like at least so the couple and one person's uh, owner, and the couple and the other person's owner, or a freedman, uh, the the woman and her owner, right? Because the the white people that owned someone always had a legal say in right. You couldn't get married. And sometimes you weren't even, right? So it, it it's a really crazy thing. And a lot of the research on that is that, it, I was like, why would you try to, why would you? And then I'm like, these people are, my my husband's from Senegal. People, I what I see from him culturally is people get married. They get married, they have families, they have children, they get married. It's part of continuing your lineage is part of what you do as humans like you get married you couple you you continue in the family in some way right and that's a very and and we i think we sometimes forget who who are like for me my ancestors who our ancestors were they were african right so they were coming with their own values religion spiritual practices, understanding of what they should be doing and whether they had been taken and captured and brought onto a ship that seemed like a spaceship and dropped on another planet. Oh or right? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, then they were all together and it's like, okay, well, these people are like me, but we don't speak the same language. They're from a different tribe. So, but how do we figure out how to be together, get together? These people are crazy. What, like, right? So being able, but I, who didn't have agency? Of course, you would have some agency and some idea about how you should be living and alive. Once you got to a certain age, once your children got to a certain age, what they were supposed to be doing and what you could try to still have them be able to do even within this context. Right on. Right? So those things are resistance also. Resisting being enslaved in the way that you think want are positing that I'm enslaved. Um, I, I this is I, this is my husband. I'm gonna get married, and it, it be and I, because I'm proving that we are human. You might treat us like we're animals, but we are human. I see. Mm. Wow, we're human. So it was really is a very interesting right, right. study. And so with the, actually, that's the first piece of writing. That I've done. Oh, 
Yeah, ask Gabby and Ty. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh, I cannot yeah. wait. Yeah. I'm yeah. so excited to see it all come together, to get to read it, to get to watch it, and to get to take it in. And I, I'm happy we're on this journey together, Gail. Oh, me too, Samika. Thank you um, so much. How can people follow uh, <laughs> you, the show? All right, so I like I do all kind of wacky kind of social justice work, and that's um, if you look at the, there's a, a website on the Center for Theater and Pedagogy of the Oppressed. That's one, and then the other, um, and I haven't been doing as much because I'm working on the play. Right on. Uh, the other um, thing, of course, people should follow is our Facebook page, which is you know Facebook. And then we're truth, we're can, I think the, the URL is facebook.com slash truthplay.org. I think it's something like that. But mm -hmm. if you look for truth on Facebook, if you search for truth, a biofictional choreo poem, yes. then our, our page will come up. Mm -hmm. right yeah. Please and follow us. We're, like, and come join the journey. Join the journey. Go on the journey with us. You know, you see how wacky we are, right? It's serious, but of course, we're trying to be so, like, you know, loving and human. The journey yes, and everybody, educational, yes, spiritual is open to everyone, uh, right? Black female resistors, the 19th century black female resistors, and their history is black history, of course, but it's American history, yeah, Probably also some West African history. So we we all need to learn and grow from this. And our ancestors are all connected, whether we like it or not, probably in some pretty not nice ways sometimes too. But we need to understand that because that's that's who we are. That's who we are. Oh, and that's also if you're listening to this, follow us on Instagram at truthplay.org as well. Yes, thank you. Thanks, Alicia. And you know, girl. I know. I do have one final question before yes. I let you go. One yes. final question about yes. your hair. What is a hairstyle that you have worn or that maybe you still wear today that when you have your hair like that, you feel free? Oh, girl. See, I'm right. See, I think you just, I think you said it. I, I was, I'm thinking to get my second set of locks, right? <laughs> I really love, I love locks. So, because they really, you got to take care of them, all that, but they are, for me, very freeing. And when I had my locks, I would take, all right, freeing, freeing, but, you know, regal, honey, the, the thing that you love. So I would have them and then I would take them and go like this and like this, and then they'd be like a nice, like crown. Like a crown on your head. Okay. 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 I yes, see. honey. I love that one. That's when you like, you know, I'm amping it up. But I love yours too because I'm like, oh, Samisha's so Leo. She got her, she got her mane out today, and it was wet at the start of this call, and now it's up to my ears. <laughs> Shrinkage. Well, you know, that's that's the goddess in you, right? You know, everybody can't have hair that one minute is this and then the next minute is this or this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Gail, you're the bomb. You're the best. I'm so excited to get to work with you and also get to watch your process and get to ask you questions so I can learn along the way. Of course. And you know what? We can always, if you ever want to, we can have a co-writing session. We could do it remote. We could do it in person. Get on here and be like, girl, you got your, what you, okay, what you got? You got your smoothie? Okay, let's <laughs> write 30 minutes. All right, now let's take a break. Whatever we need to do. I, so, I, I, I'm very happy to share the process and for, and to be on the journey with you, Salicia. You, you are fantastic. So, and thank you for being so generous. You know, really, with your time, but also with this and all of it. Don't yeah. think I'm not. Oh. <laughs> I am. You so. guys, Gail Burton, everybody. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for coming on Black Hair in the Big Leagues. And that wraps another episode of Black Hair in the Big League. Y'all, I'm so honored to have such great guests on this show. And if there's somebody who you want to listen to, please drop me a note on my Instagram at Salisha Thomas or at Black Hair Podcast and slip into those DMs and let me know what you want to hear, who you want to hear from. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast, rate it, leave a review, tell a friend, follow us on Patreon at Black Hair in the Big Leagues. Y'all, I'm so grateful that you are part of this community. It would not be the same without you <laughs> shout out to wilton music for producing my theme song love cod shout out to colin Tabor for editing this episode and most of these episodes and shout out to you for listening y'all my heart is so big and i feel so grateful <laughs> thank you for listening to black hair in the big leagues i'm your host alicia thomas see you next week Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.